So uh, now I'd actually like to welcome uh, Marlon and Charlotte Bender. Give us a round of applause. They're awesome people. Um, now, I've only known these guys for, I think I met you guys like five years ago at uh, an, an NCMI event. And so I haven't had the privilege of really getting to know you guys. I know your son, Josiah. He's, I, I love the guy. He's awesome. Um, but I found out uh, from Mark, I asked how long have the Benders been, you know, friends of Impact Rock. He said, well, we actually met him in 2000. So that's <laughs> 10 years before the church was even started. And so they've been in relationship with the Harpers since then. And we've gotten a benefit, um, you know, from the, the giftings that they flow in prophetically and, and governmentally and things like that. We've actually got a chance to benefit that as a church body, benefit from that as a church body. Um, they are part of the translocal team with uh, NCMI, and um, they are also elders at Radius Church in Commerce City, where uh, Josiah um, and Crystal actually lead up the eldership there. Um, you guys, we, we love having you. You guys are in for a treat. Charlotte's an amazing teacher. Marlon, he rocks as well. Um, but you guys join me in uh, welcoming. Well, it's great to be here. It's an honor to be here, see what God is doing. Know, we we kind of know what God is doing around here, uh, keeping in touch with Mark. But to see it, too, is is so good. And so God's got a lot in store, and God's got a plan. Amen? And uh, so I encourage you to continue on, to keeping on. Amen? The scripture says that in Galatians, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Amen. Christ set us free for freedom. Freedom from sin and all the different things that hang, in the, hang us up. But that's not a one-time deal. We continue to learn and grow and mature in that. But we got, we all got little hang-ups and little things and angers and, and all kinds of thinking patterns, all kinds of things. But Jesus Christ brings the truth of his word. And for freedom, we are set free. Amen? Well, Scripture also says there in Galatians that he has called us. Each one of us are called to be free, Amen. called to walk in freedom, and don't return. Stand firm, it says, and don't return. When the where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So it's a thing of the Lordship of Jesus Christ being in our hearts and lives, and that's a growing and learning experience Amen. that we get free from the, from the flesh. So... Um, I just want you to open up your hearts and, and your ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying this morning as, as Charlotte kind of lays out some of these scriptures and uh, about just living free and walking in, walking in the freedom that Christ has called us to walk in. Amen? Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord God, for your word and for revelation and understanding to come forth in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would... Bring forth your words out of Charlotte's mouth this morning in the name of Jesus Christ as we submit to you. And we thank you, Father, to hear and to receive and for revelation and understanding and anointing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus wants his people to be free. Say, be free. Live free. Be unentangled, right? But the first thing we have to do is recognize we're in a battle. 
Okay? To live free, we have to understand we're in a battle, but this is the cool thing. We know we win. Okay? Say Jesus has already won. Right? He's already won the battle for us. Now, I know that many of these scriptures that I'm going to lay out, because I like to lay a groundwork, and then we'll put a little prophetic twist on it at the end, okay? Because this scripture is living. If you're young, if you're old, our noses need to be in God's living word. Sometimes those of us that are prophetic types, like myself, we like the woo-woo, right? You know what I mean by the woo-woo? But this is where we stand. We stand on the word of God. And when I found out as a young teenager that I could actually believe what was in this Bible, guess what happened? The truth does what? It sets you free. And God wants us to live in this living truth. Because it's living, it has layers. What I mean by that, you can read a scripture over and over and over and over and over again, and all of a sudden, he'll illuminate something new to you and highlight something different and emphasize something different. And that is what God has been doing in my life. I am seeing so many people in the body of Christ, not outside the body of Christ, in the body of Christ, in bondage, chained, caged by the forces of darkness, caged in areas that they don't even know they're caged, fighting the wrong battles, focusing on the wrong things. And God wants to get us straight. And first of all, we have to focus on Jesus. He is the king. He is the one who is leading the church, right? Mark Harper is an under-shepherd. Mark and Kara are under-shepherds. We are under-shepherds. He is the king. He is the one that leads his body, right? And he has structures and ways that he does that, but ultimately he is the one that we serve. So if we're following Jesus, God is wanting to do something like called move us forward. Everybody say forward. Forward motion, not upward motion. That's religion. That's religion. Oh, how can I reach more spirituality? It's like we're trying to climb this spiritual ladder. No, 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 no. Follow Jesus and move forward and stay in the middle of what God is doing and you'll remain free. And you won't get stuck. I have a lot of friends. Oh, we're old people. I don't really like to admit that because I still think I'm young. But my body, everything else, gravity is winning the battle. You know, the aches, the pains, the things that come with aging, right? But inside, the spirit quickens our mortal bodies and makes us actually feel young. And listen, guys, I was born again in fire. I was born again in the middle of a move of God, and I don't want to go out and smoke. So if Jesus is doing something, I want to be in the middle of it. And if we're bound... There is something that is holding us back from moving forward. So with that, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. But I want to preface it by first reading what is in Ephesians chapter 5, which prefaces Ephesians chapter 6. And it's this. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectfully, not as fools, 
but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Paul is admonishing the Ephesian church to wake up and to walk circumspectly, carefully, is what that means. Through, now listen to what it actually means. It means to walk carefully through thorny terrain. Have we been through some thorny terrain the last couple of years? Right? Have we been navigating minefields? I mean, when COVID first happened, God showed me, you're trying to run through a minefield, Charlotte. And there's casualties when you try to do that. You need to step carefully. You need to walk circumspectly. You need to follow my lead. You need to go where I send you and not where I don't. Right? Not every open door do you step through unless Jesus says step through. Right? You follow by the voice of the Spirit. And he's admonishing them to wake up. Because, see, guys, we have been through some real thorny terrain. And in Ephesians chapter 6, he lays out a few things about being free, walking free. Freedom comes when we walk in the light. The light of the knowledge that he reveals to us. The things that he shows us. The things that he reveals to us in his word we are responsible for. Are you there? We are responsible for the revelation that God shows us to walk in that freedom. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start going through this. Children, now isn't this interesting? We use this Ephesians chapter 6, but he begins to lay some things out here. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor, underline that, your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. My husband always says this, rules without relationship produce rebellion. Say that, rules without relationship produce rebellion. That, that's for our earthly fathers and our heavenly father. If we see him as a judge... Right? We don't see him as a loving father that we have a relationship. It will produce rebellion ultimately because the law kills, but the spirit gives life. Okay? Let's go on. That was just a side note. And he says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also in heaven that your own master is also in heaven, and there is no penalty with him. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time reading here. Finally, my brethren, now this is, this is a thing we're going to get to. This is a very familiar passage that we use about warfare, okay, standing. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes or wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What that means is that when the evil day comes, that word evil day means when you are violently assaulted. Not if, say not if, when you are violently assaulted, stand in the midst of that. Stand therefore having your loin, let's see, your loins, let's see, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And all those saints. And for me, in other words, pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about this passage of scripture. In fact, there's some really good Bible studies on the armor of God. But oftentimes we take the armor of God and standing with all the things that preceded this. What is the context with which he is speaking to the Ephesian church? He starts out by talking about things like honor, how to be good bond servants, how to actually be good slaves and good masters. Now, in our context, we don't have slaves, but we have the haves and we have the have-nots. Are, are you there? We have people that have more and people that have less. Now, we can contextualize that in the context of the world. I mean, we're always talking about the top 1%, right? Top 1%. In America, the top 1% should pay for everybody else, right? Well, guess what? If you live in America, you're the top 1% of the world. Are you out there? We have running water. What a privilege. When I, our, our rule in our household was every one of our children had to go to a third world country on some kind of mission. Because somehow they got it in their mind that they were poor. Now, I, I didn't think we were poor. I mean, we're pastors. I mean, maybe we don't make, you know, what we would have made had we stayed with our former professions. But we were extremely blessed. Each one of our, our kids got a car. I mean, it wasn't the newest car. I mean, yeah, it might have been in the shop more times than not. But it was a car, right? So in, in light of the whole world, right, so my daughter, Micaiah, she thought we were poor until she went to Haiti. She came home. She said, Mom, I'll never complain. We are richest people in the world. Because, see, it's all in perspective. 
haves and have nots. This was a culture when there were still slaves. So that would be like all of us coming to church, and some of us were owners and masters, right? And some of us were slaves. And what he's making is, okay, what do you do? How do you live with this kind of culture? And he says you get, it's, it's just, it's very simple. It's, he talks about honor. He talks about being good masters. That means if you own a company, you're a good boss. You're a good CEO. You're a good worker. You're not just trying to clock out because you don't work for those people. You work for the king. Now, that's what he prefaces this whole thing about standing firm in our faith with is that we live a life of honor and humility before we ever put on the armor of God. Before he gets into talking about that, he's talking about how do we live in this world? Are we prideful or are we humble? Do we feel like the world owes us something and entitled or are we a grateful people? You see, to walk free in this world, there are certain principles in our life that God wants to weave into the very fabric of our life. It's not just on Sunday morning. It's on Monday how we approach life. We approach it with a principle of honor for others. We view others better than ourselves. We walk humbly because, guys, we serve a king who was the king before he ever purchased us. With his very words, the world was framed. And he laid it all aside to humble himself and become a servant in this life. And that never changes. We don't get to a high point of spirituality where <laughs> we don't find out there's more growing room. There's no more, more moving forward room. So just so you know, this is not just in this passage as well. Let's take a look at another passage of Scripture. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to take my glasses off for a minute. Is that okay? I'm having a hard time seeing with the glare. 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to first read the scripture that we often talk about. It's, in, it's found in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Resist him, that's the devil, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, will perfect you and establish and strengthen and settle you. The context of this, he starts, he's ending the passage of scripture with resisting the enemy, but he starts by addressing the pastors of the church. And that interesting. He says, the elders, in verse 1, who are among you, I exhort you, who I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, 
but not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples in the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people submit yourself to your elders. Yes, say all of you, say it, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves <laughs> under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. And then resist the enemy, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And then he goes on and says, then God, the God of all grace, who has called us to his glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, will perfect you. That word perfect means he will repair you. He will adjust you. You guys, we have need of daily adjustment, of daily repair. We are on the battlefield. And that's why we have to come to him every day and submit our lives humbly before Christ and say, Lord, show me what is binding me. Show me what is holding me back from moving forward in you. Reveal yourself to me. Cause me to be able to be a good worker when I'm on the front lines, a good student, a good leader in my community, whatever role that you're in. But it starts with humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. You see, oftentimes, we're wanting to resist the devil, and God is resisting us. There's this sneaky little thing. It's sneaky. I say it's sneaky. It's called pride. <laughs> sneaky little thing called pride. I'm going to give you a testimony before we move on to the next part. I was reading a book by Jenny Allen called Get Out of Your Head. This has been a little bit ago. It's been a while ago. I'd read the book once. I was reading it again. And like I told the ladies in our church, I was reading it for all of them. <laughs> Who's ever read a book for them? Right, right? You know? Now, remember, we don't fight against flesh and blood, right? We know that here. But how many of us fight against flesh and blood sometimes? Sometimes they're called our husband. Sometimes we're arguing with an 18-month-old toddler. Uh-huh. Flesh and blood. Who knows what I'm talking about? Those flesh and blood fights. The ones you have conversations in your head with. How you're going to get even. And then they poor guys come home from work and they don't even know what hit them. Because we've had a conversation with them all day. You understand what I'm talking about? Well, I'm reading this book for them. Right? I got my head straight. <laughs> my head's not whacked up. So my husband... We have a plan, okay, to get our, ba our bathtubs glazed. It was a cheaper way to do it. Instead of tearing them out and updating, we're going to get them glazed. And I have this appointment on the, on the books, you know, and I'm, I'm bugging my husband. Honey, we got to get the tile grouted. We. Did you notice I said we, but that meant him, right? 
you know, we, we have to get the, the, the tubs grouted, but who's doing the work? I'm not grouting the tubs. I'll do prep work, but guess who's grouting the tubs? Raise your hand, Marlon. Who's grouting the tubs? Okay. And so he's, he's like, babe, I'm going to get it done. I go, remember, this is the deadline. I'm a planner. Okay. That's kind of my, I'm strategic in nature. So, you know, I see the thing and, okay, we got to get this done and this needs to be done by this date and da-da-da-da. And lo and behold, we have a death in the church. One of the um, oldest members of our church passed away. It was my, my kids. It was like their grandpa. It was somebody very special to us. And we were very involved in that funeral, very involved with the family, very involved. And we were now really, really busy. And I was so mad at him because the tubs weren't ready to be glazed. Have any of you ever done this? Okay, so I am having this conversation with him, and I am upset. I'm said, here we are, Marlon. He said, Charlotte, don't worry about it. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it prepared. Don't worry about it. But my mind was rolling. Now, I'm reading this book. Get out of your head. And I said, and I, I just remembered a passage in that scripture, and I said, oh, God, I am so sorry. I am so mad at him. He said, Charlotte, the root of it is pride. I said, how am I pride? I said, are you telling me I'm prideful? He said, yes. You believe your way is better than his way. And I said, he goes, he will, the Lord said, Charlotte, you know your husband. He will stay up all night for you to get those tubs ready if he has to. You wouldn't do that for him. I said, yeah. He goes, because you're wired differently. I wired you. I made you to be strategic. But I made him the way he is, and that's the way he operates. And you think your way is better than him, and you need to go to him and ask forgiveness. <sighs> Pride, that sneaky thing. So I go to my wonderful husband. And I say, Marlon, honey, I am so sorry. Now, I have got this whole speech planned out. I am so sorry for how I, I've been so upset with you over these tubs. It's a little thing, but it was a prideful thing on my part. And I just felt my way was better than your way. And, got, and I had this whole speech, and Marlon goes, oh, honey, it's okay. Your way is better than my way. I wish I could be like you. I said, Marlon. I'm trying to ask forgiveness. Receive, say, I forgive you, you know? <laughs> I mean, most guys would say, yeah, finally, you came alive and saw it. He's like, oh, no, your way's better than my way. I wish I was more like you. But, I mean, he's almost 72. He's not going to change, right, at this point. And I'm not going to change probably at this point. I'm still going to be strategic. But it was pride. And what was that pride doing to me? It was bringing me into conflict with flesh and blood because I thought my way was better than his way. If you look in Scripture, Jesus never treated everybody the same. He treated them without partiality, but he treated all of them differently because they all had different personalities, different gift mixes, right? He spoke to them on their terms. The way he spoke to Peter, I, I relate to Peter because Peter was the guy who always was sticking his foot in his mouth, always asking questions, being the spokesman for the group. I relate to that. 
But when you look at Peter, how he treated Peter, it at times would seem harsher than how maybe he treated some of the other people. Would you say that's true? Well, because he knew he could take it. When down, you know, Thomas, who was doubting, came to him and said, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. He said, okay, I'll meet you where you're at, Thomas. Here, put your hands right into my side. You know, he meets us right where we're at, and he puts us in community where we have different ways and different people. But if we're not careful, we're going to begin to fight fleshly battles. And the root of it most of the time is a lack of humility before God because we're right and they're wrong. It's an us against them mentality. Even when we function in the world, we've gotten into an us and them. Listen, Jesus' blood paid the price for that person cutting you off the road. Jesus' blood paid for that person who is fighting you in the political arena. Jesus' blood paid for that person who is treating you awful at work. Are, are you there? Because, guys, it is not a flesh and blood battle. It is a spiritual battle. And freed people are able to free other people. But bound people, caged people, have a difficulty freeing other people. Because their hands aren't extended. That was wrong, what's wrong with the Pharisees. They got into the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. Jesus was called a wine-bibber and a man who ate with sinners. He was considered unclean. He drank too much wine at dinner. That doesn't mean he was drunk, but he drank too much wine at dinner and he was eating with sinners. If I was God, I probably wouldn't have made the first miracle Jesus performed, turning water into wine at a wedding. I mean, now maybe I would, but then I wouldn't. Jesus always broke what was considered a limit. Boundaries are good. Limits are bad. You are a limitless people. When you start feeling limits, they cage you in. Boundaries keep you safe. There's a big difference. That's a whole nother preach. Okay, let's go on to one other scripture in James chapter 4. And then we're going to close up with some things here, some truths that I think God is wanting to speak to us. James, his words are very black and white. Have any of you ever noticed that when you read the book of James? I mean, he was a black and white guy, you know. He's calling them adulterers and adulteresses. Not because they're having adultery, but because they're a friend of the world. And there is a truth in that, guys, when we're a friend of the world. And it's mainly the way the world does stuff. See, it's the, it's the world systems. It's the way they do things. It's the self in the world, the fleshly methods of the world, the systems of the world. But in James chapter 4, let me see if I can take my glasses off again. Let's start in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from the de desires for pleasure that war in your members? 
You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not, but you have, but you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is the enemy of God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself the enemy of God. In other words, when we have a friendship with the way the world does something, it's talking about the world system, then he is calling them, you're turning away from Jesus who has his own ways, right? The culture of the kingdom has different ways about it. There's different patterns in scripture. And the same thing when we, we face off with the enemy, we resist the enemy. It is patterned over and over again that we submit ourselves to God, we humble ourselves before God, and then we resist the devil. We don't fight the devil in our own strength, in our own flesh, in our own ways. He says, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the what? Humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. My husband and I are finding us ourselves in a very strange season, a season when you're aging, and yet God is springing doors open. I mean, doors I don't know that I want to go to. Are you there? Doors that seem, I haven't been to Cuba yet. We've never gone to Cuba, but the door's open to go to Cuba. And I'm like trying to think, am I going to have to ride a bicycle all over Cuba? I don't know if I have the capacity to do that. That may sound funny, but it's true. In our younger days, we were jump in, ride tap-taps, use local transportation. But now we're a little older, a little more cautious, a little more fragile in body. <laughs> right? Yet it's now that God is saying, okay, I'm swinging these doors wide, and I've struggled of late because I don't feel the capacity within myself to do that. But the Lord has been really encouraging me of late that just like in the battle, when we're in a battle, he says to submit ourselves to him, resist the enemy, and he'll flee. It is the same way when we say yes to the Lord. Okay, Lord, I don't see that I have the capacity. I don't see that I have the capacity to go to the nations the way you're calling us to go, to break into new territories. I mean, haven't we done enough because see the truth is Marlon and I could just kind of coast if we wanted to and no one would fault us we've broken the doors open in Haiti let the young ones come after us <laughs> do we really have to go to Cuba I mean, I did not want to go to this Africa trip. I'm getting excited about it now, but sort of excited. But I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go. I'm being honest and vulnerable with you. And, um, and then we're in California, and we're talking to the guys in, in Africa on the ground, and they're so excited we're coming, and 
I was hoping for three days or four days, you know, where I could just enjoy Africa. But, I mean, we're ministering pretty nonstop the whole time we're there. And and there was a day I would have been like, yay, yay, yay. But today I'm like, oh, God. And this is the thing, though, guys. We could coast. And, and God would say that's okay. But I know in my heart of hearts that Jesus would know. He would know that we were pulling back just a little bit. And when we're not saying yes, we're saying no. In a way. We're restraining and settling. Not for the perfect will of God, but for the acceptable will of God. And that has not been the way that I have lived my life. And that is not how I want to end my life. And so I'm here to say to you, whether you're young or whether you're old, it doesn't matter, guys. We have to keep saying yes to Jesus. And the only way that that works in our life is by staying humble before God and letting him put his finger on the little things, the things like I had with my husband. My prideful thoughts. Guys, repentance is not a bad word. Repentance is a good word. It just means to turn around. Just say yes. Just say yes, Jesus, to that next step. I mean, right now, we haven't got our feet in Cuba yet. You know, we're trying to be wise. I don't think I want to be put in prison the first time I go because I have a wrong visa and all that kind of stuff. We're trying to work all that out. But I have gotten to the point where I'm willing to say, yes, Lord, if you're wanting us to go, and if I'm supposed to be on that first trip, I'm willing to go. Because we're praying about that. We're praying about those next steps. They're really wanting us to come. Marlon's been Zooming with the young pastor and all of that. And why am I being vulnerable with you right now? Because, guys, it doesn't matter if you're one of the young guys back here I saw those young men up here. I love young people. I have never forgotten what it was like to be a teenager. But just, guys, just keep saying yes to Jesus and staying humble before him. And then you can resist the devil and you'll stay free because you'll walk in the light. If I don't step forward and say, okay, I'm willing, then there's a part of me, it's a part, it's kind of like, you're moving forward, and then you get stuck. Well, what happens? Everyone else moves forward, so then you're still back behind. Because Jesus wants us to move forward following him, doing what he's called us to do, and walking in freedom. But we become bound when we, we look at the fleshly, the outside, and not look inside as to what is binding me up so that I can see clearly. What is the obstacle in my way? See, it was my own pride that was in my way. God's given me a great gift in my husband. If you ask anybody, my husband works harder than any person I know. He's the most steady. When he says, this is God, this is what we're doing, I can trust it. I can put it in the bank. He's that steady 
He's the one who blew all my revelations in the beginning. When I'd have a spiritual revelation, he would blow them. He'd, buy, he'd say, well, what about this scripture? And what about that scripture, Charlotte? And what about this scripture? I go, you're blowing my revelation. But he keeps me balanced. He keeps me safe. He keeps me on track. And I was having a conflict with flesh and blood because of my own pride. And I would venture to say, guys, we do that a lot. We do it at work. We do it within the church, right? He says, where do the wars and fights come from among you? We look to the world system. If we have odd against somebody, what are we supposed to do? Say that real loud. Go to them. We have to talk to ten people before we go to them. If you don't like something Mark's doing, go to him. You know? And if you, how many of you have ever felt like the church, there's certain things that the church should be doing? Come on, be honest. Who, who thinks that? Well, you know, in our church, there are things pe- that people think that, that need to be done. They'll come up and say, you know, Charlotte, they used to tell us when we were leading particularly, Charlotte, I think the church needs to do this. I said, I think that's wonderful. Would you like to lead that? They're like, well, uh, no. not." Ex-. I said, well, if God's showing that to you. So they got to where they didn't know if they wanted to tell me or not because they got a job. How many of you know what I'm saying? Who is the church? Who's the church? We are the church. And we help each other live free. They, we help each other live free by learning how to deal with conflict within this community so that then we can do it better out there because freed people can free other people. I used to be on a school board, and I had to fire people a lot. And I didn't like firing people. And sometimes they voted to remove a teacher or remove a person that I didn't think they should remove, but they were always like, the board was always like, Charlotte, you're so good at firing people. And you know what I realized? I realized because I was trained in the church. Not to fire people, but help people find their gifts and use certain patterns that Paul did. You know, he'd always encourage them first, right? Come in with the punchline and then encourage them again, right? And I realized that the things that we learn in community in the church helps us out there. Helps us to be good workers. Helps us to be good stewards. Helps us to do all of those things. You see, in Mark eleven twenty four, it says this. It says 23. It says, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, everybody say anything, against anyone, say anything against anyone forgive them that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses in closing this is the key 
Forgiveness is one of the most powerful tools that God puts in our hands to set others free. You see, Colossians, it says this, therefore, in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, or actually through 16, it says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. That means putting up with each other and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love. That's the word charity or agape, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Guys, there's only one bond that's perfect. Only one. And it's the unconditional agape love of God. Any other bond we make with people has the opportunity. I say they're, they're kind of like roadways in the spirit, you know? They're roadways that the enemy can oppress you on. I mean, I spent a whole, wasted a whole morning on one of those roadways with my husband. Expectation. It wasn't unconditional love of God towards my husband. It was, I do this for you, you do this for me. I do this for you. And I realize in a relationship, I get it, guys. We do have give and take. And we counsel and we teach people how to fight right and all of that good stuff. Because you're, you're going to have conflict. Whoever is married to someone and says they never have conflict, they lie. <laughs> Who's married for more than 25 years? Have you had some conflict? Marlon and I, I mean, he was a Mennonite. They didn't have conflict. They're the peaceful people. But he married the tornado. So that wasn't going to work too well in our family. We had to learn, right, to fight right and to have conflict and to have discussion. In my family, you, you know, you got to have conflict and debate. But there's only one bond, guys, that's perfect, and that's the perfect love of God. And the only way we can keep free is to forgive and to let it go. And the only way we can let it go and forgive is not in our own strength, but in the power of Almighty God, our King. Because I have never forgotten where I came from. I know what I was forgiven from. I know what he has cleansed me from. And those who are forgiven much, forgive. Guys, you want to live free? Keep a short list of accounts. That means you don't owe me anything. Because see, really, guys, we're not entitled to anything. Young people, listen to this. You're not entitled to anything. The one who gave you life was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who designed where you would be, I am first and foremost a follower of Jesus. I am secondly a woman. I am thirdly a woman who happens to be white. Contrary to a lot of the kids in our youth who think I'm not white. Used to tell me, you're not white, Charlotte. I said, honey, I am white. 
They go, but you know what I mean. You're not white, white. I said, I am white, white. And then lastly, I'm an American. We can't get those flipped. You see, we're first and foremost a follower of Jesus. End of story. Who happens by his creator or her creator to be put in the body you're in, in the family you're in, with the skin color you've got, all of it for his divine purpose. Are you hearing me? God has a purpose for us. Fashioned the way we are with all of our quirks. And living free in that is a daily battle. But it's actually quite simple. Number one, we got to recognize we're in a battle and discern the terrain that we're living in. Secondly, we have to live a life that's submitted to Jesus on a day-to-day basis. Thirdly, we need to practice forgiveness. Say practice it. Practice forgiving the people who cut us off on the road. Practice forgiving the person that, you know, you get in line. Who's got in line at Target? You thought it was the shortest? You're in a hurry? Who's gotten in that line? And you have this older person. Oh, Lord, I'm getting there. That's counting out the change. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and they can't quite find the coupon and... You know, who's, who's been in that line? Just release forgiveness while you stand there. Practice it. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, help me have grace. Jesus, my I am not prideful. You know, Lord, I humble myself. This pride that's in me that thinks what I'm doing is more important, what this woman is doing. God, forgive me. Guess what? We'll learn to stay free. Unentangled. And then... We resist the enemy, and he'll flee from us. It seems so simple, doesn't it? But it's hard to implement. Saying yes to Jesus is simple. Saying yes to humility is simple. Saying yes to forgiveness is is simple, but it's hard to do. When you're wronged, when you're violated, if you've been abused, If you've been in all kinds of situations where life did not seem fair to you, listen, Jesus is the one who equals the playing field. Jesus is the one who can only liberate our souls. Some people are living so free, it seems like with so much, but they're so bound. See, bondage comes in every every creed. Every socioeconomic, every country, every culture. But Jesus is the equalizer. So you want to come up, Maya? Let's pray. I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to stand, or you can sit. But I'd like us to pray. Because I believe there are people in here that God is wanting to illuminate in your life stuff. That's holding you back. It's holding you back from moving forward. Don't look at it as an upward 
you know, an upward thing. I'm moving on the ladder towards heaven. No, we are all got that destination. We need to move forward in God. And he's wanting to begin to shine his light and illuminate in our life. The Holy Spirit can do more than someone else can saying it to you. You know what I mean? He has that way if we're just open to him. And I'd like us to just get into an attitude of submission to him right now. Jesus, this young man right here, can you come up? What's your name? We're standing up here. God began to speak to me about you, son. The Lord has a tremendous purpose for your life. He saw you, and he sees you right now. He saw you being formed in your mother's womb, and he planned the days for you. And not every day of those have been glorious, but the end of your story isn't written. I don't know your story. But I know one who does know your story. And that tapestry of your life that God has been weaving together has been for his purposes and his alone. I see him saying he has set you apart for his calling, for his purposes. And his ways are higher than your ways. His ways are past finding out, the Bible says. And he set you on a journey. How old are you? Wow, it's a good time to start. Well, you're tall, man. Yeah. <laughs> you might even use that, okay, to give you a voice. But he's given you a voice. But it's just is about him. So don't get in the fray. You know what I mean by the fray? The fight of the, the whole world system. Stay focused on Jesus. Because, son, he has a plan for you so much greater than you have. You can think pretty big thoughts, huh? You know what he says? He said, I am the God. This is a scripture for you that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think according to the power that works within me. And he's going to open a way and bring you before great men. I don't know what all that means. Don't try to make it happen. Just let God do it. And just say yes to Jesus. Can I pray for you? Marlon and I. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up this young man. God, you have a plan for him. Lord, even at his age of 15, you want to use him. You want to start using him. Just want him to say, yes. Yes, Father. Yes, Father, I'll serve you. Yes, Father. Yes, Jesus, I'll step in the light. Yes, Jesus, I'll step one foot forward. Yes, Jesus, just little steps. Just little steps. And God, you're going to make a way for him where sometimes there seemed to be no way. You're going to make it for him as he serves you, as he walks with you as he listens to you. Lord, we thank you 
We thank you for this life. And Father, just as we've prayed for this young man whose destiny holds in the balance, God, there's so many of us right now in the balance of what you want to do with us. Some are old, some are young, some are toddlers. Lord, but you have a plan for every purpose in this room. Lord, show us what adjustments we need to make. Show us the areas of pride that have got us into a battle with flesh and blood. And help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, to open our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for directing his steps, for planting his feet on solid ground. I just want to encourage you to don't try to figure it out yourself. Don't try to do what you think. But ask for wisdom from the Lord and what you're doing and what you're making decisions in and all that kind of stuff. It's so easy to, well, I think this would be good. I think that would be good. But the Lord says, I mean, there can be good things, but maybe not the right things. So I just encourage you, reach out to the Lord for his wisdom and his understanding in Jesus' name. And that's for all of us too. Father, for your wisdom and your understanding, God, in the name of Jesus, and your word of truth, keep our feet solid on ground. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, guys. Just remember, pursue love and then desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love. That's God. That's Jesus. Pursue him and the gifts desire them. Amen?